0: Do you guys have a book recommendation outside of the uh, Irish sporting or, foot, I suppose, more so likely League of Ireland world?
1: Do you want a, do you want a sports book or
0: a Whichever, fiction? Whatever you've got.
1: I don't read a lot of fiction, but... Um, I'll take I, any personal recommendation. I did enjoy The Wall by a guy called John Lanchester, okay. which is a really a kind of... A po- I'm, I'm into my post-apocalyptic. I don't mind my post-apocalyptic, Trump and say. Boris <laughs> and Brexit and all this kind of stuff. That's <laughs> really the way the world's going, so... Yeah. So that'd be my recommendation. Definitely going to make it into a film. Um, okay. And sports book. I really enjoyed Astro Ball, I think it was the name of it. It's about the Houston Astros, who five years ago were like the worst team ever in baseball, but how they used their draft data analytics, sabermetrics, Moneyball version two to become. Um, I think back to back World Series champions are so really interesting on the dynamic in the dressing room uh, or locker room, uh, the transfer um, and just the, the data analytics, uh, and really well written um, okay. uh, by sports illustrated journalists. So that would be my two recommendations.
0: Dave, anything to add to this? It's not going to be Guinness Book of Records type, uh, it's going to be something serious now
2: no I, I i've literally only read sports books this year i think uh mainly yeah all non-fiction sort of stuff i read soccernomics is very good it's kind of uh if anyone's read um it's got like freakonomics and stuff mm. like that or or soccermatics sorry so- soccernomics is a different book uh, read don't they have before. a podcast
0: as well they Economics
2: guys. They do, yeah. Could
0: they not do a socceronomics podcast in there? I mean, there's surely no. It was,
2: was somebody else that did socceronomics. Oh, okay, did fair Simon enough. Cooper, I think they did that Oh right, right. This was done by um, you know a, a complete kind of uh, a, like a, a mathematician who doesn't really have a huge background in football. So it's kind of interesting applying sort of uh, mathematical principles to to the game and sort of. Showing how you know, even if players don't don't even know or don't have any sort of knowledge of trigonometry or geometry or whatever, that they're they're still kind of playing in mathematical patterns that are kind of uh, instinctive or coached into them. But um, outside of that, I've kind read a few good biographies. Saul Campbell's is bizarrely good, actually, even though it's really yes, yeah. it's, it's not very well written, but you get a really good. <laughs> Does sense he have a ghostwriter? As he, ta- I can't imagine him with a ghostwriter. It's I not imagine. a ghostwriter. It's actually written, kind of written. by some guy that he met in an Italian restaurant. Right, of course it is. Um, which is Who's a, not a writer. Yeah, no, he's not a writer and it's it's kind of weird, but it kind of gives a really good sense of him just because it's it's quite straight and to the point and if anybody's ever kind of come across Saul Campbell in the media, he's very sort of, uh, very, very t- straight and to the point. It's he's erratic,
0: of, isn't he, a little bit in
2: terms of his behaviour. Yeah, he's, he's kind of very self-assured. He kind of thinks about everything. Everything he says is very... Considered even if it, it kind of um hmm. comes across as a bit silly or whatever, but that was quite interesting. And the other really good one I read was um book on the boxer Jack Johnson from the early right, early twentieth yeah. century uh, it 's called unforgivable blackness which is a a quote from the um the was uh, uh, the the black historian uh, W E B Dubois du- du about kind of how you know um, he was the greatest boxer in the world or probably ever at that point but uh, you know he had everything going for him but the one thing that nobody could forgive was the fact that he was black and it's kind of the I suppose just uh uh, kind of based on a couple of his his own autobiographies and then stuff that was written about him and everything like that. So it's it's really good and it's really worth reading. If anybody, um, if I ever actually return my copy to the to the library, you can you can pick it up.
0: <laughs> I'll just chuck in one or two really quick. Uh, one of our friends, uh, James Hendicott, who we spoke to a couple of times on the podcast last year uh, or well this year really um football for the forgotten the Kanifa book brilliant um all about a sort of alternative world cup some great interviews and and sort of james on on the ground uh at the tournament talking about that and one or two well one i'm really looking forward to reading actually mainly after an interview by team 33 with um matt jansen um I'm, I'm, when you mention autobiographies, Dave, I really had gone on, gone off autobiographies for a long, long time. Find them very difficult to read. Because more often than not, they're very boring. But obviously, his story about sort of being on the precipice of joining up with the England team in two thousand and two, to having an accident in Rome, uh, getting serious brain damage, and having to relearn everything about the game, and and talking about instincts leaving them or maybe not being there to the same degree but having flickers of that coming back it just sounds i haven't read it it's on my sort of christmas list but um that that just to me sounds like an absolutely brilliant read so um yeah i think we've kind of wrapped that up nicely let's get into the meat of what we're going to be doing here today then this is going to be more league of ireland related i think we're going to we've sort of left it loose enough where we can talk about irish football or irish sporting books but it's i think so many other podcasts so many Articles in newspapers over the next couple of weeks are going to be focusing on, or probably have focused on this maybe a little bit late, what you should be buying your loved ones. This is, again, this is going to be a niche element for the, the League of Ireland fans. So um, does anyone want to step up with, with one of theirs? First of all, and it, it can't be Talatime. I've told you time and time again, you, you, it's an old book. You gave it to me this year. I very much thoroughly enjoyed it. I was going to leave it for mention at the end, but you better not be uh, getting those shameless plugs in.
1: Uh, well, as the only one who's actually written a book here, <laughs> oh. uh, I'm going to go with one that actually I got as a Christmas present. So have uh, opened s- it early. Yeah, my sis. We had Christmas uh, activities in my extended family uh, last weekend due to people being away and no, all So my sister got me, on my request, one night in do lunch. So Kevin Burke's book yeah. on UCD's adventures in the Europa League. Um, Back in 2015, so I'm really looking forward to uh, looking forward to this. Um, got some nice, uh, uh, like looking at good cover. You're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but plenty of uh, colour photographs um, remind me of what a good team that UCD had back in in 2015. The likes of uh, Robbie Benson, Dylan Watts, um, Gary O'Neill, um, and how you know UCD had been relegated that year and. But through the fair play award got the this position in the uh uh in the Europa League. Um, but they actually had to have players who had played with them previously. Declan Hughes, the U C D fan, was telling me this uh the other night that actually they had to go and seek seek a couple of players that might come back to them because the the yeah, certain rules came true in to early to. summer as well, didn't it? Yeah. So it
0: was a bit of a last minute yeah uh thing where they kinda had to scrap in terms of preparation and in terms of it, it sounds like it would be I imagine there's a little bit of helter skelter towards the start of it. Um, it says, says uh, I should point out Tom O'Connor of extra time that he reviewed the book. So there is a, a I would recommend, if you're interested in the book McDiarmid's talking about there, which is uh, "One Night in Doolan" by Kevin Burke, to read that first. Um, yeah, ultimately without spoiling it, obviously they're kind of going into sort of unknown waters there and, and end up overthrowing this Luxembourg side with very little preparation. Um,
1: and and there'd been quite a. Uh a fear amongst us uh, coefficient connoisseurs uh, that usually were going to drag the the coefficient down, but um, yeah, they did. They got through a round, which was uh, obviously brilliant for them and good for the coefficient. There is no index in this book. Right. That is the only. There seems to be a lot of talk that there's no index in. Joe Schmidt's book that um, every journalist <laughs> I've, I've heard talking about <laughs> <laughs> has been putting the boot in as if they, it's as if they couldn't wait <laughs> to put the boot into Joe Schmidt and uh, yeah so there's no index in in Kevin's book but it does it does look uh, it does look really good and looking forward I, to it
0: I took a, a, just a quote from Tom's article here as well just to sort of give you um, an idea sort of the background story as opposed to that's sort of your main story but he, he mentions the temporary misplacement of a U teamer in the airport the smuggling of relatives into an away team's VIP area contacting a prestigious Dublin nightclub to bypass their dress code and the impending arrival of the manager's baby all form interesting subplots throughout the book while never detaching from the journey so lot going on there it sounds you know massively relevant to League of Ireland fans I think that's that's a, a fair one to, to chip right into um we should maybe mention one or two I'm, I'm gonna throw in um Neil Horgan's The Crossroads I only got this recently enough and and I think it just has sort of fallen into my hands at a time that it's massively relevant essentially rise of the rebel army and crisis at the FAI is is what this one's about and apart from the fai crisis element i found the stuff around sore uh, around forest i should say very interesting uh, especially with limerick's demise over the last couple of weeks it's it's quite relevant some of the standout elements of this book it's it's its style is something that it, I mean his uh, previous book Second City I think it's called I hadn't read that so I was speaking to you guys about it today I think it's, it follows a similar style where it's part diary sort of part clippings and reports or comments around the time and part um, interviews with some key players and forest members of that time his judgment on the FAI in that time is also very interesting it's, it's from his point of view diary written accounts I suppose of the Oireachtas uh, hearings around 2009 with some brilliant stuff in it actually some choice uh, John Delaney quotes in the Eroctus around the time Cork was in trouble so obviously um, he <laughs> makes a couple of barbs ironically enough relating to exacerbated player wages being unsustainable in the league and that being the reason that Cork are in trouble and many other teams he sort of uses Oh, oh player wages? Yes okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, He also here's a great with you right so he talks about um Waterford his his sort of first-hand experience at Waterford and I'm sure again people probably remember this if they'd been watching back to nine, but he talks about his time at Waterford about raising funds to get to a game in Tbilisi and he says they raised eight grand but people don't ask where the other the 12 grand came from and he said his dad wrote a check covering the 12 grand and that you know John himself was part of this too writing checks to cover player wages again timely enough he he you know, furthers the point. He ultimately goes nowhere with the point, but he furthers the point. However, having moved to the position I hold now and understanding the problem, uh, I know one has to understand it to resolve it and reach a solution. We cannot have people running clubs who are unfit to run them or run them in a cavalier way.
1: I think this is where we play the John Delaney yeah, thing. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> drop it in there.
0: Oh, I went down to bakery down in Kerry. There was a family bakery. John the Baker. Yeah, yeah, not Pat the Baker, John the Baker. And I ran a bakery for a couple of years.
2: So, any good?
0: I didn't bake. I'll tell you, some of the best principles I've learned came from running that bakery. I remember going down the first week, there was 100,000 pounds owed to the sheriff. And the health inspector was in within two weeks saying he was going to close the press. So I told the health inspector if he wanted to, to lose 40 jobs in Kerry, that was his business. He lived in Kerry. I think it was a bit ballsy, maybe, you know. And the sheriff, I wrote 10 post data checks out for, for a year, 10 grand a month. And thankfully, they all cleared. The one thing I've learned, like we built the stadium, the Viva Stadium, when I when I got involved with the FAI, I think the same business principles apply to any business. So I didn't know how to build a stadium, I didn't know effectively how to run a pub. I knew the other side of the pub like any young lad, but it is very, very interesting. There's a lot of Neil's own thoughts around the FAI. He he speaks to John Caulfield, uh, which is a a great part of the book. It's an interview towards the end of the book. And John's thoughts on, actually really interesting element, it was John's thoughts on when he uh, comes to the club at first and being pretty unsure. Not of himself, not of the work they've put in, but whether he's up to do the job. Essentially, he talks about meeting Shane Duggan and Darrell Horgan, who left the club that year. And he, like, from his own point, he says I think they're unsure of me. Simple as, I think they left because they're unsure of me. And I imagine starting off with a club who are in a you know important period of their history and stuff like that happening it's interesting to get his perspective and he also talks a little bit about the fai uh talking about his experience they essentially have no interest and again sort of around the nile quinn stuff and the kieran lucis stuff talks about the only um way of, of of having a fully professional league over here realistically is to break away and be run by businessmen essentially rather than club committees i suppose the, the breaking off from the fai point isn't really revolutionary at this point it's almost like hacking off gangrene limb um doesn't really <laughs> does, doesn't really uh stand out as a massive part but it's just interesting I, I lastly i just thought main standout piece of the book for me was um sonia o'neill her interview uh she's involved with forrest and i thought mainly as i said around the, the limerick element of it I was extrapolating points from how it would apply to Limerick a lot of the time. Uh, as I was reading it, they talk about the difficult relationship with Tom Coughlin, who owned the club, and they bring you sort of through the relationship they would have had, and and decisions that were nearly come to, which may have actually been quite detrimental to how Cork has stayed alive, decisions that they didn't go along with. There's a, there's a part, I can't remember the full... There's essentially some deal that Tom Coughlin wants to do with them, which they're relatively unsure of, which seems to be around them putting money into the club and him buying shares back Mm. um and how there's nearly pressure on them to do this deal despite whether the money would actually go towards saving the club you know what i mean ultimately they feel like if they don't do this deal the club go under but they don't know is it going to go towards saving the club is it just going to go towards debt and the club goes down anyway um so there's there's a quote from her overall it felt the club needed to go back a bit before it could go forward so it kind of for me watching the whole limerick stuff go on puts into perspective a lot of the you know hashtag save Limerick or save whoever, uh, this, you know while well-meaning the sort of simplicity, sim- simplicity of something like that's not always as straightforward. It's not just a case of going in and saving a club. Uh, this you know force were, were set up as a group to help the owner, ended up having to take over. So there's a you know. They'd done a lot of groundwork before having to go in. It seems like it would be very hard to replicate that at another club, especially last minute. So I just found it interesting with all of the background that's gone on with that. Fairly good book. Neil's involved quite a lot himself. I'm sort of pointing out some key moments that you know I extrapolated from it. But there's a lot of... Um, if you're into the kind of player diary and, and seeing behind the scenes of those seasons, I suppose the, the season they, they were promoted, Graham Cummins is interviewed in it as well, and he got that late winner against Shells. That's all mentioned in there. So there's some really... Fun elements to the book. Um, you know, there's some great characters in there, as you, as, as you would expect. Um, what's his name? Former manager, Tommy Dunn. He, he's a cracking character and, and stuff he says to Horgan and stuff like that around that time. It's all, all really good. So, I, I was, yeah, well worth a read. One of the better um, diary-related books, definitely, that I've that I read over the last couple of years.
1: And just a reminder that it was launched in the FBI's office by Noel Mooney. This <laughs> oh, is a yeah. book called The Crossroads, Rise of the Rebel Army, and crisis at the FBI. So uh, that was one of the things Noel did before he uh, headed back to. Since Neon. he's been,
0: since then he's been hanging out on Twitter arguing yeah. with reprehensible. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I wasn't got a name, but uh, <laughs> a couple of other uh, books to throw in there. I suppose we we should go to one. from, I imagine you, Fred MacDarris, you wore a green ribbon by Robert Goggins, uh who I think it's fair to say probably has the the uh definitive shamrock rovers book out there at the moment and that's not a that's not a put down to tell time yeah uh. no well the,
1: well robert wrote um uh the hoops the history of shamrock rovers with uh, shamrock rovers fan paul doolan um, back in the 90s and it is kind of the the kind of classic um kind of book tracing the history of rovers but robert's his fifth book now is this um she wore a green ribbon and it's a book that robert's been waiting nearly 20 years to finish. He's been working on this <laughs> book because he's been, he wanted to publish it when it, Rovers won their 25th cup and he started working oh, on it in the 90s thinking, right? Yeah, so... Um, Has he, is that going was that going to be his second book and he's
0: written three or four yes yeah, Is yeah. that what's happened? So,
1: and he, so at the, the it was launched... Um, uh, just a couple of weeks ago and uh he talked about how actually on the on the night of the cup final when everyone is out celebrating he went home and he got stuck in ah, nice. and so he was able to turn around so, so the book is uh, uh kind of self-published but the all the profits are going to the, the rovers sad. academy yeah. and uh um no it's a, it's a really good book yeah i have i have looked through it. like it, it traces the the history of rovers Right from the very first time they went in, into the cup in the very first edition as mm-hmm. a, as a non league team, and their first game was against a, a team called Tipperary Wanderers, um, which is made up of members of the British Army uh, and specifically members of the Black and Tans. Yeah. So Rovers uh, that Ro- they were. Uh, <laughs> little bit, a
0: little bit. Uh, it's a good gag off, Mike. That. A yeah. Gag off yeah. Mic. Um.
1: I, and like uh, traces, you know, the five in a row that Rovers did through the kind of I think twenty nine. And they probably said it was never going to be beaten, but then it was in the sixties with the the six in a row, um, and then the the what people tend to forget is Rovers won four league titles in a row in the nineteen eighties, um, but three of those were doubles, so they won three uh, they won three FA cups in a row, and uh, obviously there's there's a good bit about the the latest cup win, the mm. twenty fifth cup win, and what was good about the the launch was. Um, there were members of, of Cup winning Roversides from the 50s, 60s, 80s, and uh, the, what do we call the 20, 2010s? So, Jerry Mackey, who won the Cup in the 50s, was there, and um, Mick Leach, who who won a, a number of Cups in the 60s, uh, Pat Byrne and, and Mick Byrne were there. Pat Byrne was the the last captain prior to Ronan Finn to, to lift the trophy, and then Joey O'Brien was there as part of the, the, the latest team. So, yeah, it's a book that I'd say. Any Shamrock Rovers fan, I'd say that it's definitely something they'll either be getting as a present or they want to to
0: buy for themselves. Can I ask? Is it is it see? It does it go season by season? So is, it, is it information? Yeah, based so, or is so it more story-led?
1: Yeah, so the, the 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 first half of the book is season by season, and it goes through you know each game, and then the second half kind of tell those stories, the likes of the playing against the the. Um, you know the black and tans or or other kind of you know standout games and and stand maybe controversies uh you know the the rings and derby in the 20s between Shelburne and and shamrock rovers and then so there's plenty of kind of uh asides and then at the back for anyone like me is looking for for stats uh it has every results um that Rovers played in, in the Cup all in one location. So Sean Ryan has, has a, a really good book on, on the FAI Cup that I, I know a lot of journalists and other people have, and it's a great resource. To, um, but for a Rovers fan to have all the, the results in, in one go, I, I had everything going back to 99, which was the first time Rovers had a website, but I hadn't got anything previously all in one location. So I'm going to be summing through it for stats for our <laughs> match previews for, uh, for the Cup for, for years to come
0: then we'll move on to i suppose uh, dundalk one as we've just talked about shamrock rovers that's Gavin mclaughlin's uh, we see things they'll never see now again unfortunately I'm, I'm this is not one i've got much experience with It looks more like a, a sort of seasonal review book based solely around this year so i imagine in terms of what you're saying a lot of dundalk or a lot of uh, shamrock rovers fans will get that we, she wore a green ribbon for christmas i should uh, imagine we'll see things they'll never see will be the sort of go-to Dundalk book for the year. It's spread across uh, 304 pages of sort of reports, comments, and a bunch of Supposedly, hosted memorable pictures. Is what the bio or some of the description was written there.
2: Supposedly memorable pictures.
0: Well, I, I haven't seen them. I can't. so give, the, a, so can't give my account of whether so they're memorable or not.
1: I think what we were saying, <laughs> Robert has produced five books. I think this is Gavin's fifth book on on Dundalk as well. I think he's done maybe a book every the the five of the six last seasons that that Dundalk have won the league. So um, just chatting to Tom O'Connor, Tom was saying oh, that they're, they're excellent books, and you see they're. They're really well produced. I have seen a copy, um, you know, colour photographs. Really nice. It's more of, kind of a, memorable. That's uh, the best <laughs> well, maybe more memorable. But uh, I don't know. Um, Vinnie Perth launched that uh, a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. he was very complimentary of having a book like this that someone has. You know, it really uh, it 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 tells the story. Um, obviously timely because they've they've won the league this year but uh, it's like these are great resources for people to look back on Um, you know the the title book is you know uh, we see things they'll never see and and the Gavin at the launch certainly spoke about making reminding people they need to enjoy these things when they happen I think football fans sometimes need to be reminded that you have the, the low moments and every club has them and when the high times come around you need to celebrate them i think the a book like this is a great way to to celebrate the success that dundalk had last season in winning for the the five major trophies do i six magical lens senior cup do i include that in as well
0: dave's looking at you with yeah pres- there. it's
1: a president's cup and the unite the yeah. union mm-hmm.
0: cup. How, how could you forget that um, wouldn't get that wrong yeah <laughs> no Couple of interesting ones there. Uh I've got one more then just to chuck in and and I don't want to go on about this one too long because uh it's I imagine any you know, sports podcast related to books this year has talked about recovering Richie Sadler's book. And it was another one for me I talked about Matt Jansen reference. So much
1: about St. Pat's then?
0: There is a little bit about St. Pat's more, and, and what's nice about that's mainly the part I want to bring up because look you'll hear everything about this book on every other podcast or anything else Richie does and, and it is a brilliant book I'd advise everyone to read it. it's really really enjoyable again as I said gone off autobiogues for a long long time and this was one of them that sort of made me go there's, there's exceptions where you can go and find one and, and it's kind of got a lot Is it's not just You know, it's not just football-based completely. Um, It does have a lot of the elements you like in a football book as well. But around the element of St. Pat's, there's some great stories in there because, of course, he he became CEO at 29, so he would have had a bit of an awkward relationship with Brian Kerr in that time in that. That would have been, you know, he would have been there in the time that Brian was, you know, moved aside and Richie absorbed some of Brian's chores and put strain on their relationship, which you would have always thought would be a pretty solid one, given, you know, the pair of them are, you know, you never really hear of any rifts between them and would have been um, quite, you know, quite close in, in Brian's time as, as uh, under-20 moment manager and all that. But he does talk about, you know, him going through his struggles at the time of being a CEO at St. Pats, the sort of shambles um, of a job he would have been doing at the time, not really knowing what he's doing. And, Shambles I suppose to give someone like that a job and, and shows you a little element of why a lot of the League of Ireland clubs have suffered because I mean there's a story in it the FAI give him a ring I think in one of the European qualifiers about them playing an eligible player. And, you know, him having absolutely no clue what the, that scenario and just being, you know, they ask him, are you sitting down, you know, we're about to drop a bomb on you. As it turns out, they got like a small fine from UEFA and they were quite lucky. Realistically, it could have could have gone a lot worse because we've seen more recent years. You can remember a lot of a lot of uh, incidents where teams have been chucked from competitions for doing that kind of thing. So um, it, it it intertwines that kind of stuff um, It intertwines, I suppose, a lot of the problems he was having at the time. And stuff like when the shit's hitting the fan at St. Patsy just knocks the phone off and goes off to electric <laughs> 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 stuff like that where he, he's he's very the silent disco, of so the phone yeah. Just, yeah, <laughs> couldn't yeah, hear it. yeah he was very re- he's very self-deprecated it's well written it's uh dion fanning of course yeah. isn't it he's written the book with him so it, it's something it often leads you down sort of corridors where you think he's being deadly serious about something and he's actually just ripping the piss about himself but he did it talks a, a lot about that kind of stuff and and you know we talked a bit about the um, some of the the previous regimes of you know runs of Ireland where he could have nearly got in we briefly mentioned him I think in one or two of the earlier podcasts in this run so it does allude a lot to stuff like that uh, you know his relationship with Roy Keane is a is a brilliant bit and it mentioned when he would have been training at Sunderland and you know his basically Keane being unbelievably nice to him uh you know when he was really just at at the end of it all and he was about to you know tell him he's leaving or retiring or whatever and uh Roy, he basically is trying his hardest not to break down and cry in front of Roy Keane, which I imagine is uh, a bizarre feeling, but not only that then, um, Richie wrote I can't remember, some form of critical article about Roy Keane years later, and of course got the phone call and absolutely torn to shreds, <laughs> so there's some fascinating stuff in there, um, apart from you know it being a, just a phenomenal read, it's got some great little stories in there as well, so that's, uh, that's my last one, I think that, that pretty much wraps it up